Hi friends and welcome to another episode of the Oakham Church Podcast. This week we begin to look at chapter 5 of the letter to the church in Ephesus and this will be the last podcast for a little while um, focusing on this Ephesians topic as we'll take a, a four-week break and travel through the journey of Advent towards Christmas time. But do not fear, we will pick back up in Ephesians in the new year then. So Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, and we will read today through to verse 14. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such as a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord, having nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This can be um, a difficult thing to read, a difficult passage to even hear on a podcast or in a sermon form, and we need to uh, think about really where we are receiving these words. What is it we're hearing these words with? Obviously, we're hearing them with our ears. Obviously, the sound waves are travelling through the little speaker in your phone or your computer or through your earphones. And the, the vibrations are bouncing onto the eardrum. And that then on the back of the eardrum is picking up those little signals and transmitting those as electrical impulses to the back of your brain, which then converts that into what you hear as sound. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how we receive these words, whether we are hearing them with our head, with our intellect, with our understanding in that way, or whether we are hearing them and receiving them with our hearts. Jesus tells a parable that um, can be uh, thought of in this way as well when he talks about the sower sowing the seed and how that seed falls on those four different types of soil. 
Of course, the, the sower sows the seed and some falls onto the hard path where the farmer is walking. And we're told that, that those seeds, no sooner do they hit that path, that the birds in the air fly past, see the seed, swoop down, pluck them up out of the ground, off the path before they've even had a chance to even do anything that seeds are supposed to do. And the birds eat them and carry those seeds away. The second um, group of seeds falls onto the soil, but it's soil that hasn't been worked over. It's just ground that's been left and there are stones in it and bits of junk and perhaps bits of plants from last year's harvest and all sorts of stuff going on within that soil. And so, yes, it's landed in soil and not hard, compacted ground. Yes, it's kind of landed where it's supposed to. And that seed maybe is even able to start to push those roots in, but there's too much other stuff in the way. And no sooner does the sun come out or the rain begin to fall and that seed is done for, just like the first. We're told some of the seed falls not on the path, not on the soil that's had nothing to do with, but on soil that, yes, has been turned over, but has failed to be weeded. It hasn't had all of the, the other, other kind of foreign bodies removed from it. And so even though that seed is able to push its roots down um, successfully, exactly as the seed should do, and even though the plant is able to start to sprout and grow as the sunshine and the rain comes and feeds and gives it the nutrients and the water that it needs. But as that plant grows, so too do the weeds grow around it. And those weeds grow faster and those weeds grow stronger and those weeds block the light and choke out the space and kill those plants in their infancy. The fourth lot of seed we're told by Jesus's story falls not on the path, not on the ground that hasn't had anything done to it, not on the ground that hasn't been weeded, but on this rich, fertile soil. Soil that has been tended to and loved and painstakingly broken up and weeded and, and irrigated and treated exactly as it needs to. It's got all the nutrients and all the vitamins and all the minerals and everything that it needs to. And the, the soil is just at the right kind of consistency. It's soft enough to receive the seed and it's soft enough so that the, the seed can put down its roots and it's it's firm enough to hold that seed in place and keep it secure as it grows and sprouts up and as the sun shines and the rain falls that 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 seed grows into a plant and that plant grows into a crop and that crop makes more crops and more crops and more crops until that farmer is able to harvest some 40 some 60 some 100 times the amount that that seed was planted. And just as I said at the beginning, we need to think about how we hear these words from Ephesians 5, whether we hear them in our heads or in our hearts. This is what Jesus is getting across with this story. How do we listen? How do we receive the seeds from Ephesians 5? Are we like that hard path where no sooner had you heard those words being read to you on this podcast that they're gone? It's gone in one ear and out the other, taken away by the birds, as you will. Or are you like that second group of seeds that you've, you've started to hear these words from Ephesians 5 and started to think them over, but then there was no way to put roots down. And so it's, it's not done anything. It's not gone anywhere. Maybe you know those words and those ideas and those images and you understand the background and the knowledge side of things. You, you're receiving it in your head, but not in your heart. 
Maybe it's like the third seed where it's fallen, but there's weeds that have grown up alongside it. And so you've you've taken on board what Paul has said to the church in Ephesus and to the church, us, the body of Christ today. You've taken that on board. You've started to mull it over. You're already starting to think about it. Maybe the things that we've gone through in previous podcasts and previous sermons within this series are starting to kind of germinate and do things within you. But then all of a sudden, you get that, that, that news from that family member about that illness. All of a sudden, there's that relationship breakdown. All of a sudden, there's that phone call from the bank. All of a sudden, you get called in to the school about your kids. And all of a sudden, you are distracted. And those teachings and those things are choked out of you. Or maybe you are able to receive this word from Ephesians 5 like that fourth seed. Maybe you're able to take it, yes, into your head. Head knowledge is good. And it's good to have that kind of understanding and that background and that contextual knowledge. But not just into your head, but into your heart where it can put down its roots and it can sink down into you. And it can do a work in you that also comes out of you as well. So what kind of listening are you doing? What kind of hearing are you getting from Ephesians 5. Because Paul will even talk about it later on. He will say, if you are a child of God, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of the way, then this list of negatives that he gives here will not be the fruit, will not be the harvest from the seeds that are planted within you. And Jesus in the Gospels talks about the same thing as well, doesn't he? He says, you don't get bad fruit from a good tree and you don't get good fruit from a bad tree, out of what's going on inside will impact how we act and how we think and how we behave and how we are in the world on the outside. I read a quote the other day that, that it sums up all of this beautifully as, as Jesus as Jesus, we're told in the gospel, but as also as, as Paul echoes here in Ephesians, is, is telling us to be an imitator of Christ. That yes, we are children of God and we are called to be imitators of Christ. And we see again and again through Paul's theology as he's fleshing this out and even working it out in his own spirituality, in his own formation. Through time, as you read through these letters, you can almost plot as he's growing and moving and expanding and he gets this idea of, of Trinity and he gets this idea of God as community and unity and God as three and God as one. And this quote that I read, sums it up perfectly. It says, God is a family who makes family. So are we committed today to imitating Christ? Are we committed to doing the work on the inside that's going to affect the work on the outside. Because we can try all we want to be better people, to say nice things, to do good stuff. But if it's just external, it's not showing the real you. We need to do the work on the inside. We need to do the work deep down. We need to do the hard, difficult, unseen, not sexy work of working on our inner person working on our own formation so that out of that will come the good works so that out of that will come the good 
fruit so that out of that will come the harvest that is 60 or 80 or 100 times what's been put in. Ultimately, what Paul is saying here is God loves you. And that might sound really basic, might sound really trite. It might sound like a real kind of kiddie Sunday school thing to do. Remember, God loves you. There's even those stickers, aren't there, with the smiley faces on. Jesus loves you and bumper stickers and T-shirts. And it's all, it seems all really trite and really nice, but it's true. And if we can grab hold of that truth and if we can take that into the soil of our souls and let it do its root work, then we will receive the fruit work from it. And that will not just benefit us, but it will benefit the people around us as well. God, the, the creator of the universe, Yahweh, the one and only true God. God loves you. Not just that, but God loves you. This is that agape love. This is unconditional love. This is never ending love. This is unfavoured and unmerited and unearned love. This is the graceful love. This is the love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us kind of love. This was the love that God so loved the world that he sent his son, that God loves you. And then finally, God loves you as an individual, you with all of your problems and issues and struggles and worries and anxieties and baggage, God loves you today. Please hear this wherever you are as you're listening to this podcast. God loves you. So don't just imitate Christ, but imitate the God who loves you already. And then as we saw in the Bible study a few weeks back, if you were um, fortunate enough to be part of that group, we were working our way through this and we realised by the time we get to the end of this section, Paul basically sums up everything that he'd just been saying for the last goodness knows how many verses of this book. He sums it up with this. Find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the will of God. And then do it. And don't just do it once, but keep doing it. Because you are the sermon. You are the message. You are the gospel, the good news. You are that walking sermon today. And as you go out and as you shine your light, you don't just illuminate everyone else and everything else around you but you expose the darkness for what it is and not just that but you have the power to transform that darkness as Paul says here that things that are dark that have been brought out into the light then become light themselves so shine the light of the kingdom of God into the world where you are here and now find out what pleases the Lord and keep doing it. Because ultimately, the, all the negative lists that it's so easy to get focused on, isn't it? It's so easy to have our eyes drawn upon. I know as, as from personal experience, you can get so many positive comments about something that you've done or something that you've said or something that you've written down in the past. And then you get one negative thing. 
And then what's the one thing that keeps you up at night that night? What's the one thing that's churning over within you? It's not those 99 good, positive, lovely comments. It's that one negative one. Because we, for some reason, focus in on that. We, we are drawn towards that. Even as you read that passage, your eyes are drawn to those negative and, and dark words that Paul is describing here. And that's not the focus. But how often is that the trap? How often do we get sucked into all of that and it either leaves us feeling discouraged or, or despairing or disillusioned or just like, what's the point? I'm never going to be able to do any of this stuff. My fruit is always going to be rotten. Even if it looks nice on the outside, if you crack that fruit open, it is rotten and dead inside. My light is never going to be light enough. There's always going to be a hint, a hint or a tinge of darkness to it. And the trap is that we focus on that thing. And maybe even to start with, that thing seems like it's good. Just like in the Genesis story, we see with our eyes um, what looks and what seems good to ourselves. Rather than focusing on what pleases the Lord, we look over here at what pleases us and we gravitate towards that. And before we know it, the trap is shut. Just like a monkey trap. Uh, you might have heard this illustration before, but in the jungles, um, they set up these traps and within the trap is something alluring, something that the monkey wants. Maybe it's a bit of fruit or some berries or some nuts or something. I read in the past, usually it's sweet rice. So it's kind of a little bit like our rice pudding, but a bit drier so that it can be compacted into a ball. And it's placed inside the trap and the monkeys go nuts for this sweet rice and they can't help it. And they see the trap and they know it's a trap. They know what's there, but all they see, they don't see the trap. They see the sweet rice. They see what is good in their own eyes. They don't find out what pleases the Lord. They find out what pleases them. And it's that sweet, sweet rice. And they reach their little monkey hand in and they grab hold of that sweet rice. And then as they go to pull out their fist, they can't. They can't pull the fistful of sweet rice out of that trap. But they also, the sweet rice is so tempting and so alluring that they won't let go of that rice. And that is the only way that they could get out of that trap. If they just released their grip and stopped that hand being a fist and let it be an open palm, their arm would slide straight out of that trap. But they can't let go of that sweet rice because it's what seems like it's going to please them in their own eyes. And so because of that sweet rice and because of that fist, because of that me and mine and selfishness, and I'm going to take, 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 because this looks good to me, the monkey's trapped. So friends today, with that as your warning, release the fist. Release the thing that you think is pleasing in your own eyes and find out what pleases the Lord and go after that and keep chasing that. Stop making that fist about me and mine and open up your palm in this posture of submission to God, in this posture of, of love and respect and openness and transparency to both God and to those around you. And let go of that sweet rice and live and walk and love in the light. Grace and peace.